Welcome to HR Latte, your connection to all things HR. Today's great HR department is foundational for today's successful business. Listen in as host Rayanne Thorne gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources. And now for your next cup of talent management, whipped to perfection. Hey, everybody, welcome to HR Latte. This is a very special series I'm kicking off called Work Today. My guest today is Morag Barrett, who is the author of the book Cultivate the Power of Winning Relationships. And we're going to hit a key topic from the book, which I find very interesting Generations at Work. Hello, Morag. Thanks for joining me today. Brian, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. And I would love for you, if you could, give us a quick intro of yourself, and then also talk to us about Sky Team, your company, and how you serve your market. I would love to, Rayanne. Well, as you can tell from the accent, I'm not originally from Colorado, (laughs) which is where I'm based, and we're actually having a snow day today, so it looks very pretty outside of the office window. But I'm originally from the UK, and potted history, it's important when we talk about generations and when we talk about professional relationships at work, I'm on my fifth career. So I started in banking in the UK, spent 15 years analyzing business plans of big international companies and realized very early on that you can have a fantastic widget, you can have a great service, but if you don't invest as much care and attention in how business gets done, i.e. the quality of the relationships within your teams, within your company and with your customers, you didn't have a successful and sustainable business. And that is one of the reasons why I moved from finance and the numbers side of uh, business and economy into the relationship side and the work that I now do with Sky Team. And so my company and my team and I have had the opportunity to work with more than 3,000 leaders from 20 countries on four continents, representing all ages and levels of experience and multiple industries. And when we're working with them, the one consistent theme that they are all struggling with is how do I build high-performing teams? How do I build a successful career and reputation? And that is why I wrote Cultivate the Power of Winning Relationships. Well, fabulous. There you go. That's the little intro. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. The book is fascinating. And one of the chapters that I love the most is Generations at Work. So I want to dive into this key topic. Why do you think people uh, love to stereotype? Well, it, you know, stereotyping can be a good thing. If you think about it, we are bombarded with so much information from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep. And even when we go to sleep with all the dreams and the thoughts that we have, that stereotyping is one of the ways that we can sift through that data and try to make sense of the world around us. So we're hardwired to stereotype. Otherwise, we would be overwhelmed. Right. And that that makes perfect sense. One of the areas of it, of this chapter, actually talks about the different types of generations that there are in the workforce today. So if you could introduce each type, that would be incredible. Let's see. So basically, what are the generations that exist in work today? Well, it depends on which books you read in the research, but there are four or five different generations at play in the workplace today. And it's unique in that we have so many different demographics represented. But at the furthest end of the scale, our wisest members of the workforce are our traditionalists who are born usually around before 1945. 
We have our baby boomers who are 1945 to 1960-ish. Generation X, of which I will put my hand up to. There you go. (laughs) 1961 to 1980-ish. And then Generation Y, 1981 to 95. And then the name hasn't settled yet, but it's the millennials, it's the Generation 2020, Generation Z. Essentially, those born after 1995, which includes my three teenage sons. So they're all 17-ish or younger. Right. Essentially about to embark into the workforce. So there's these five key years of experience, culmination of events that are driving the workplace today and influencing the workplace of tomorrow. So it's interesting how many traditionalists are still in the workplace. I would consider my mother that. She's uh, 79 and still working. So I think it's because individuals feel like they need to keep on working. We're healthier longer. And there's not that golden watch and lovely retirement package at the end of every rainbow for folks anymore. And Social Security isn't meeting the needs for folks that are in this age group. So I thought that the baby boomers started or ended at around 1964 because I've always considered myself a boomer. So it's I'm glad to hear that I'm not, not a boomer. <laughs> But since you push it you to 61. Whatever you want. Oh, okay, well, it's well. interesting because um, there is uh, the group of people that are born plus or minus on each of these alleged dates where each generation starts are called cuspers. And my husband is a cusper ah, between okay. baby boomers and Generation X. And he more closely identifies with the characteristics and experiences of Generation X that yes. followed soon after he was born, more than he does, for example, anybody born in 1945. He was born in 1963. So, and this is part of the, the issue with stereotyping. When we use that broad, broad brush that says, thou shalt be because your right. date of birth says, I think we're missing a trick. And in the book, I talk about it's less about the um, date of birth And it's more important to look at the date of entry into the workplace Ah. and what was happening and what is happening then that makes and influences how work gets done. And I think that can be more meaningful, especially as we look at the rapid pace of change that's happening in how and where work gets done. Yes. Technology has changed, changed everything. And it also has to do with whether or not that generation can accept changes or individuals within a particular generation, because I'm a cusper, like your husband, and I love change. It's part of my makeup, and I embrace every bit of technology that's going to benefit my work and ease my day. So that makes perfect sense. We have been talking with Morag Barrett, author of Cultivate, The Power of Winning Relationships. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to this original podcast on Intrepid Now, your media platform for today. Business and HR, healthcare, technology, and lifestyle. Welcome to the new age of information and get Intrepid Now. Thanks so much, everybody, for staying tuned in. We're talking with Marg Barrett, who's the author of Cultivate, The Power of Winning Relationships. And we've been discussing the generations at work. So I want to dive in a little bit deeper, Marg, and talk about better and best ways to approach each generation. You talk about this in your book, and and I think you title it Building Bridges. So I would love for you to give us some highlights or ideas of how we can best approach each generation in our workplaces. Well, part of it is to move away from the stereotypes. The first step is, is remaining curious. Before we went to break, you talked about the rate of change and 
how some generations are stereotyped or perceived as being less open to change and new technology. And to me, again, that is a very broad statement because my experience is that whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, there are still individuals within those generations who both embrace and thrive on change and others who would rather that things stayed the same. And so curiosity is a good start because it allows us not to stereotype but to ask questions, to seek to understand where somebody is starting from so that we can then move forward together. Right, and that makes perfect sense. Why do you think some folks can't change? What is it about? Is it is it how they worked? I mean, there are some folks, obviously traditionalists and boomers, may have a more difficult time to change. They they were perhaps used to working twenty years at the same job, which is incomprehensible today, right? By today's okay, standards, absolutely. unless you're running your own company. I mean, you yourself have had five careers. I've had five, six, seven, possibly eight different careers yep. in in my lifetime, and I don't think I'm on my last one yet, right? I'm I'm fifty two, and I'm not yep. even close to my last career yet. So why are some people willing to open and change and why are others, you know, have a hard time with that? Well, sometimes it can be as simple as the fear of the unknown. As adults, we hate being the beginner, the newbie, mm. not knowing. And I see leaders make this mistake over and over, especially when they're joining a new company or they get promoted to a new leadership level. There is an implicit assumption that, wow, you're the leader, you should know all the answers. And of course, they're sitting there going, I have no idea what to do, but I can't possibly admit this. Therefore, I will stay the same or I will keep doing what in theory got me promoted versus looking at what new or different I need to do moving forward. So fear, fear of looking foolish, fear of looking, making a mistake, fear of the effort. Just look at it. Here we are in February, New Year's resolutions. There's change every single year we set ourselves up in many cases, to fail because we don't follow through. So fear is a huge driver. And so whether you're working with a traditionalist, somebody who's more years of experience, or whether you're working with a millennial, understanding what the resistance is, is it because they um, didn't know about the change? Maybe they didn't understand what was required? If it's yes to both of those, but now they can't do it, then you're providing training and coaching and the resources to do it. And very rarely is it about the attitude, I just refuse point blank to change. So when we're working with our colleagues, whatever generation they're from, finding out the reason why. Is it because they don't know? Is it because they don't understand? Is it because they can't do it? Or is it because they won't do it? And depending Mm. on the answer to those questions, it will inform how you move forward. I think fear plays a great deal. Uh, mm-hmm. part of, it's a big part of this. And there are folks that aren't curious anymore. So maybe they're the ones that need to stay in the jobs that don't require change, right? And, and they, are, they feel comfortable not having to learn something new. Here's what I've learned, though. I need some of those people <laughs> who we would describe and stereotype as right? stick in the mud and slow to change. I need them as a counterpoint to me. Yeah, because I love change. It's like oh, in the same way. <laughs> that's new. Let's do that. That's exciting. Yeah. And the risk is, I can be so busy starting new things that if I don't have somebody actually challenging me and saying, "Do we actually need to do this differently?" and more importantly, if we are going to do it, how do we make it sticky and sustainable? How do they make it replicable and scalable? Then all I do is generate lots of half-finished ideas. Yeah. So you need both. You need people like me who can pull 
and pull people forward, but you also need people who can slow it down and make sure that we're doing it in an informed and deliberate way. <laughs> I definitely need someone like that in my life because I, <laughs> I sometimes bulldoze ahead. I'm so excited by change in activity. I'm, I'm what you would consider a doer, right? And, yeah. and I, have to, I have to act, but I also see way down the road. So there's yeah. a, a definite strategy in place in everything that I do. And and sometimes I can't even describe the strategy. I just know that they, we have to do it this way, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, in order to get there. We're, we've yeah. been speaking with Morag Barrett, who's the author of Cultivate the Power of Winning Relationships. Shannon Sisler actually wrote a brief review of the book. She's the Senior Vice President of Talent Management with Western Union. She says, Morag brings new ways of seeing workplace dynamics and success. And that's what we're all looking for. Why write the book? You have a great career. You've got this great opportunity to provide work and and counsel for other organizations. Why write a book? Because I wanted to help get people unstuck and give them choice. Too many times have I heard, well, he's a jerk. What did you expect? <laughs> or that's sales. They always overpromise. Or that's operations. They can never deliver on time. And we're very quick to blame. And we make ourselves the hero and others the villain or victim in our life story. And what I've done in Cultivate is help everybody, whatever stage you're at in your career, whether you're the CEO of a big company or just starting out, to understand that the world of work is the biggest team sport you'll ever play in. And therefore, you are dependent on others for your success. And therefore, it is your job to cultivate winning relationships. That's and that's what, what I do in the book. That's wonderful, Morag. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Our time goes so fast, as I knew it, it would. Does. You can pick up Cultivate the Power of Winning Relationships, I assume, online, Amazon.com. Yes. Morag, if our listeners would like to get in touch with you, how could they do that? Well, they can certainly go to my website, and that is skyteam.com, S-K-Y-E, team.com. But they can also email me, morag, M-O-R-A-G, at skyteam.com. I would love to connect with them. Perfect. It's been an absolute pleasure, Morag. Thanks for joining me today on HR Latte as I kicked off my series, Work Today. <laughs> 